2: Yourself, so life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, fancy, beautiful. Laugh a little more, family. Tight, tighten up you'll kick it with four things. With Amy Brown.
0: Happy Thursday for today's episode. I am joined by Christine Pride and Joe Piazza, and super excited about the novel that you both wrote and talking about the importance of this novel here on the podcast today. So uh, the book is called We Are Not Like Them. And why don't y'all just break down what inspired y'all to write this book together and um the special meaning behind it and, and how it's gonna be a great even conversation starters for other friends that might be reading it together.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, we want more than anything for this book to start great conversations. Christine was my uh, this is Joe. Hi, by the way. I always forget it's harder in audio. And Christine was my editor on my last novel, and we became fast friends. And Another thing that's hard to tell in audio is that I am a white woman and Christine is a black woman. And we decided to write this story together about two lifelong friends, a white woman and black woman, who really have to reckon with race in their relationship for the very first time in their adult lives as a partnership so that we could each bring our different perspectives on race to the table but we wanted to put it in a novel. We wanted to put it in fiction, in a story that at its core is about friendship, because we want to make it easy and accessible for friends, for book clubs, for anyone to start what we think is a very important conversation about race in America today.
0: Well, I, I want to touch on four things specifically with y'all today. And the first thing would be, why is it so hard to talk about race? And then I want to get into, yeah, interracial friendships and why it's so hard to make them. And then also writing a book together as two friends. And yeah, I know there's even a story of how it, you know, almost blew up your friendship. And then Uh, The fourth thing being writing a book about social justice and cancel culture, (laughs) because that is something that's very real that everyone kind of has to think about in this day and age. So let's start with the why is it so hard to talk about race?
3: Actually, this is something it's Christine here. Uh, This is something that surprised me as a black woman, um, because I have always and I feel really fortunate to have had a lot of interracial friendships from a young age. I mean, I think a lot of it is just by virtue of where I grew up in suburban Maryland. Um, And so I have always been having these conversations about race and, you know, as a black person in America, you can't avoid talking or thinking about race, you know, at the family dinner table. It's something that I've been doing since I could actually talk. And before that I was listening and absorbing, you know? And so it's always been obviously a part of the fabric of my life. And And then when Joe and I were working on this novel together and really starting to get into these conversations, it really became clear to me. And I really, frankly, just being transparent here, didn't quite understand before how scared white people are to talk about race. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think some people are just afraid to say the wrong thing or to be misinterpreted or that it just feels so uncomfortable to them that they want to avoid it. And then there are, of course, the people who just don't care to talk about race, right? That just feel like this doesn't matter and this is not something that affects my life and I don't need to do that. So why would I? It kind of covers the gambit. And so learning that and really having that sink in and really having that come up and, you know, even Joe and I's conversations, it made the book that much more even mission oriented for me, almost in terms of this book being that tool, being a way for people to talk about race um, that feels both relatable, but also at a little bit of a distance, right? You're not necessarily talking about your own experiences, which hopefully you get there and it's harder to do, but this is a way for you to talk about race via our characters. And that can be a good baby step into these conversations for a lot of people who are just now having them for the first time.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, these are fictional characters, but how did y'all design them intentionally? Like, I guess, or maybe give an example of something the characters encounter or go through that might spark up a conversation in a book club or between two friends that are reading it. Like, how would it ignite that conversation about race?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we were writing We Are Not Like Them, we both completely wrote each character. We both wrote the black character and the white character together. Everyone thinks, "Oh my god, the white lady must have written the white character and the black lady must have written the black character." That is not the case. But we did bring our own conversations to the fiction. And like Christine said, she as a black woman essentially, you know, has a PhD in race. She's been talking about this her whole life. And yet I came to this and as you know, very educated woman. I'd call myself like, you know, like I have a big circle of friends, but I don't have any close black women friends or black men friends. And so, no, I was not comfortable talking about the ins and outs of race beyond the superficial. And I want to be really honest about that because I think a lot of people can relate to it. Like we want to say that we, that we feel comfortable, but a lot of people don't. And so we had to have a conversation where I said to Christine, I'm like, why don't, I feel comfortable talking about some aspects of race or social justice or the recent police shootings of black men. And a lot of it is because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing. I'm afraid of sounding stupid. Um, I'm afraid of sounding ignorant or at, at the worst being offensive when I didn't mean to be offensive. And you brought up cancel culture. And of course, I am terrified of saying the wrong thing. And so we put that directly on the page in our book where our white character says to our Black character, I don't talk about race with you because I don't know what I should be saying. And she's vulnerable and she's honest and she's scared. And it's not necessarily okay, but I think that a lot of white readers will see themselves in our white character, Jen, when she says, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of sounding stupid or saying the wrong thing. And then with her, they'll be able to move to the next stage, which is, okay, how do we talk about it now?
0: I love that it it's fiction, but it helps gives us a guide of how to actually engage in this type of conversation. Because I mean, I as a white woman, 100% didn't start having these conversations till probably about a year and a half ago because of stuff that was in the news and prompted me to do so and made me take a real hard look at my relationships in my life and how I was just going about kind of not addressing things because they weren't right in front of me. But then at the same time, I was like, wait a second, I'm raising two black children. So I need to start paying attention and I need to start making some shifts and I need to start having real conversations, especially with some of my friends. Fortunately, I felt I could be super open with and comfortable and inviting them on the podcast and us. We recorded it out so that other people could hear and maybe hear what we were doing and, and mirror it. But still, it's even after you put in the work and you've read some books and you're having the tough conversations i'm just admitting especially for any other white women listening right now like it's still scary at times cuz like you said joe the number one thing we we don't want to offend So Mm -hmm. I haven't read your book yet, but I ordered it and I am super excited because I think that this will be and maybe my listeners will want to do it, too. And we can kind of do a little mini book club and engage and talk back and forth about it because we've been looking for a novel to do it with. And maybe this will be the perfect one.
1: Oh, yeah, we would we would love that. And if you guys want to do a little book club, we'll come back. And you can talk amongst yourselves without us, but then we can come answer any questions that you want for the whole group. We did one last week with the company Heineken And the conversations that came out of it were amazing. Christina and I both cried because we had men that read the book, men who were not our target audience, a white man and a black man. And they were just so open about race in ways that we never expected. It was, I thought it was the coolest thing that we've done so far.
0: Okay, I'll take you up on it. I think this sounds so fun and we need to do a little book club and do a virtual meeting or hang time. And I think having y'all there would be so fun.
4: This summer, make your doorstep the perfect vacation destination with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget.
0: I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like, I want research. I want to know, like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin. The results... So go back to how y'all's friendship started and, you know, what that even looked like, because some people that have been looking to diversify their relationships, they look around and they're like, well, this is harder than I thought. And then they want it to be genuine, too. Like you want you don't want to force things, but sometimes you have to step outside of your bubble to meet people. So how did it happen for y'all?
3: Well, Joe and I actually met working together. I was her editor at Simon & Schuster, where I was still working full-time as a book editor. Um, And, you know, in a way that's an unconventional way to meet, but in a way it is representative in that our society is so segregated socially, meaning like the activities that we do and where we live and schools, et cetera, et cetera, that oftentimes work is the most diverse place we're at, right? Our offices are where we see the most people that look different than we do. Um, and so Joe and I met in that capacity in a very professional capacity, um, but it quickly tipped over into a friendship in that way that when you you know meet somebody, there's you know, kind of that, meet cute spark and we just had so much in common and we had so much fun working together um so we worked on her novel charlotte walsh likes to win and then we did another project together that i was publishing at simon and schuster that was a tie into the television show Marriage Vacation, uh, which is a show set in publishing, which is very fun. Um, but we had to do that very quickly. That book had a four to five week deadline. And so that meant we were really collaborating together, less like writer editor and more like co-writers, you know, in a, in a Google doc. And that just gave us another sense of how fun it would be to work together uh, and how well we work together. So I had had this idea kicking around about an interracial friendship that's affected by a police shooting. And the more we talked about it, the more it made sense for us to write it together, bringing both of our different perspectives and experiences to the table, and that that would be a richer, better book and a more unique opportunity than if each of us wrote the book separately. And part of that is because, you know, Joe is privy to conversations that I'm not privy to as a black woman, right? Like she is hearing what other white people are saying and that people would not necessarily ever say in front of me and vice versa, right? I'm in all black spaces a lot where we have conversations amongst all black people, you know, that are very different than the conversations that you have in quote unquote, we call it mixed company. And so by bringing both those perspectives to the table, right. We're allowing the reader to, I mean, eavesdrop almost if you will, right. On both sides of things and then see what the characters say and hear in separate spaces and then what they say to each other. uh, And that is where the, uh, you know, interesting dynamics lie. And that is where there's a lot to learn. And that is where when we have conversations that are more open and honest in that arena, right, where, where people are coming together, that's where the progress is made.
0: No, I love that you know, you mentioned the shooting, but y'all interviewed real life people in different professions that have been through Mm -hmm. something like that and incorporated their stories into the book. What did that look like?
1: We did, we did. And, you know, I want to piggyback on what Christine just said too. And what you just said, Amy, as a white woman who does want to diversify my social circles, it isn't easy. And I joke all the time, but there is some seriousness in this. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like walk up to the one black woman in my yoga class in my neighborhood and be like, would you like to watch The Bachelor with me? To make a new friend of any race is hard as a grown-up. I think, like I just, I haven't expanded my social circle really except for Christine in years. So I think that we do have to give people grace, and our biggest tip is step outside your comfort zone, like. Go to that town hall meeting that you might not normally go to on school zoning, or go to a book reading by a Black author that you might, might not normally have on your to be red list to put yourself in a place where you might be the minority, and then it may be easier for you to start up some of these conversations. But yes, to the other question, I'm a reporter. I've been a reporter for 20 years. So I report all of my fiction the same way that I would a New York Times or Wall Street Journal story. And Christina and I did so many interviews with police officers, with police officers' wives, with shooting victims, with the mothers of shooting victims, all because we wanted our characters to be real human beings. None of this is black and white. All of these issues live in a world of gray that the media is terrible at conveying and also terrible at giving us a place for common ground. We didn't want anyone to be a clear-cut villain in this book. We wanted everyone to be a fully formed fully flawed human being that has good and bad and absolutely everything in between. What
0: happened with y'all's friendship in the making of this book? I just saw like a teaser that there was some sort of a, a, a blow up. And, you know, I think that anybody listening right now, too, they might not be writing a book together, but they may work with a friend uh-huh. and there may be certain things that come up. So, you know, just sharing whatever happened with y'all might help someone.
3: Well, we're really honest about that. I mean, part of it is that writing a book is just really hard to do, period. Um, and then writing a book with somebody else is really hard to do. There are creative differences, there are logistical challenges. I mean, there was a big learning curve for us. Um, to dive into this process. But we also always say that Riley and Jen, our characters were very young when they met, right? So to have this lifelong friendships, so they met when they were five or so. And so race wasn't a factor in their lives. I mean, that's really the only time in your life in America, at least that, you know, you're not going to be conscious of race, right? When you're a child. So they weren't having these conversations through elementary school, you know, junior high, high school, et cetera. And so it was almost in adulthood, when this police shooting happens that they're both so personally involved with that they are forced to really have this conversation for the first time and really delve into these hard things. And similarly, in a case of sort of art imitating life or vice versa, since Joe and I were relatively new friends, we hadn't also dove into any of these issues, right? And so since we were writing this book together about race, you know, race was coming up in a lot of our conversations. And since we never talked about it, we were having the same kind of growing pains conversations of frustration of why don't you get this or why is this so hard or why don't you want to talk about this? I'm speaking for my part, you know, and we had to really push through that. And as it isn't for our characters, it was not easy for us at times.
0: Joe, any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, and there were a lot of hard times and and tears because of everything Christine said Writing a book together, we essentially decided to go into business together. That's what this is, and this is our career. And we decided to combine them and intertwine them together. And for me, that relationship is, you know, it's sacrosanct as as a marriage in a lot of ways. Like it has a lot of the same repercussions. And we had to learn to communicate with each other in a way where neither of us would feel slighted or insulted. And we gave each other grace and the space to make mistakes and to sometimes say the things that maybe they're not right. And maybe like they do sound stupid, but it's how I feel. And for me as a white woman, what I had to do was not be defensive. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I learned that that is just, that is the response that shuts a conversation down immediately And as long as I could be receptive to taking feedback, to hearing what Christine had to say, there's a lot that we could get through, but it's the defensive mechanisms, which I think if we're honest with ourselves, they come up because we're scared. Like we're nervous and that's why we get defensive. And that's why Christine and I want to be, really honest about how this went for the two of us. And it's hard. I'm scared to even admit how scared I was, right? I'm like, oh my God, now I'm going to be canceled for being afraid of being canceled. But I want to, because I want to start these conversations that I think we all have to have. And at the end of the day, Christina and I, I think I'm going to speak for her, but we're way better friends now than we were. We're in a great place. We just started working on our second book together, but we had to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable and going to places that were hard.
0: Yeah, I think that's important to remember in anything. I was hanging out with some friends yesterday, and they were just talking about the positives and negatives of life. And it's making me think of the positives and negatives of relationships. Of like, A battery doesn't work if it's just two positives all the time, or it's, it's neutral. A battery doesn't work if it's two negatives all the time. You have to have... The good and the bad. And then you grow from it. And that's what gives you the experience. So I don't know, just encouragement too for anyone listening, if they may need maybe need to reach out to a friend that they have had a falling out with or something they couldn't see eye to eye. And I mean, you you set out to write a book that's already highly emotional and can challenge you in different ways. It's not like y'all are like, oh, let's get together and write a, you know, a love story. <laughs> I mean, y'all are kind of hitting things head on.
3: And that's actually what motivated us to keep going, to be honest, right? We've really felt mission oriented about this book. I think it would have been a lot easier had we not been so invested in the story that we were telling to give up or walk away or, you know, have a book that wasn't the result of our you know, pouring all of our blood, sweat, and tears into. But the whole time we felt like this book could be important, that could really help people. And I think, you know, we've been talking a lot about how the book hopefully will be able to spark conversations and help people get over their fears and so forth. We were writing this book for, a vast audience, which means both Black readers and white readers. And one thing that was really important to me is to see the range of Black experience, uh, you know, presented on the page. And we still, though publishing is getting better at different kind of viewpoints and voices and experiences, it's still very rare to see a certain type of Black heroine star in a commercial novel or women's fiction. And so regardless of, you know, even that racial component of what they need to do and discuss and confront and what that will mean for our characters, I think Riley um, as our co-lead, you know, represents the kind of strong, complicated, flawed, not stereotypical, not relying on tropes, you know, kind of character Black woman that, you know, I certainly have always craved to see on the page. And I know that there are a lot of readers out there who crave to see a character like that on the page and an experience of that character living in America today reflected back to them.
0: Now, I'm picturing this as like a TV show, so I feel like it needs to get picked up somewhere. And have y'all thought of... If it were to develop into something like that and there was a We Are Not Like Them show on, I don't know, Amazon or something, who would play the two lead
1: characters? Yeah, we have had a lot of conversations and we just started talks with figuring out what it looks like to turn it into a TV show or a movie. And for Christine and I, we both, we want to make sure we find partners that love this material and what we're trying to do as much as we do. And we want to make sure that we have a diverse partnership. You know, we want a lot of black women at the helm of whatever we're doing with this TV show, because as we well know, that is not always the case. Christine, do you should, should we should we say who who are our, our dream Jen and Riley's are?
3: I feel like it keeps changing, but sure. Maybe maybe they'll hear it. And... <laughs> I don't
1: know. I, I, I've been very into Janelle Monet as Riley. Like I just, I mean, I think about it. I had a dream. I told Christine that Janelle Monet was Riley and now I just can't get it out of my head. So perfect. And then what about the other character? From the very beginning, we were actually both kind of into Kristen Bell. Yes. She's so relatable and funny, but can also do serious very well. And she's like, our thing with our care, our white character, Jen, it's like, you're pissed at her for a lot of the book. Like she says a lot of, a lot of ridiculous stuff and she's kind of annoying, but like, she's also a good freaking friend and like, she's loyal and she would die for your friendship. And I feel like Kristen is just so relatable and you want to be her friend that she could bring so much to that role.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I, I could see both of those roles fit in yeah. perfectly. I'm tuning in already. This needs to happen. Now,
1: Kristen, if you're out there, Join join (laughs) our book club that we're starting with Amy. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah, we'll do book club first and then it'll turn into a a series or like you said, even a movie. I don't know why. My brain is stuck in series mode right now because I'm really into the morning show and Mm -hmm. Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. And so I'm having to wait every Friday for a new episode to drop. But it does make me look forward to. I mean, I'm already looking forward to Fridays, but... I mean, I'm looking forward week to week, but I don't know. Do y'all like to binge things like all at once and have them all out? Or do you do you like the week to week? No,
3: I like to binge and I get angry when things are week to week. I'm like, we've established a new precedent Mm -hmm. that all Mm -hmm. shows need to be available immediately. And so people who stray from that, (laughs) like I need it all now. So sometimes I'll save them up so I can recreate my own. Binge, right? Like let five or six accumulate over five weeks. No no no, 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 no,
1: watching. no, no, no. I miss the old days. I miss the old days where we had to wait and think about a show and it gave us time for all of us to talk about an episode and to let something marinate and sink in because now everyone is binging something different at different times and we have no common conversation. That's fair.
0: I mean, yeah, that's true. And there are studies that are now coming out talking about how binging is like, I don't know, bad for us or something because we're just sitting there like and our brain is processing too much at once. And then we walk away and we're like, what did we even just watch? And then we're just numbing out. A lot of us, I mean, given the last year and a half too, we're looking for different ways to numb out. And we've definitely done that with the ability
1: to binge. Are y'all watching the morning show yes. at all? Either
3: one? Of yes. I just started yesterday, season two, actually. I love it.
1: I have not started season two yet. I was going to start tonight, um, but I'm just I'm deep into Ted Lasso land, man. I can't stop.
3: Popular hot take: I do not like Ted Lasso. I'm the only person in America. I know. I've tried, and I'm like, I just maybe it's too heartwarming for me. I I just I don't get you have it. A, hard, a cold, Dark Soul Christine. I know. I must. <laughs> I really must.
0: Everybody wants to be friends with Ted Lasso. I, well, I know, but not Christine. <laughs>
4: This summer, make your doorstep the perfect vacation destination with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget.
0: All right. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Not a website, but a person in your community that would help you for free. All right. If you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or a concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's gotta be all about the boots. And Takova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S, and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in HOPE. Well, I want to circle back to your book and and it being about social justice and yeah, any concern about the cancel culture? Have y'all had any type of pushback or any reviews or something like you weren't expecting or criticism or even constructive criticism for that matter?
3: Not yet in terms of the book being on sale. I mean, we were really nervous about it for lots of different reasons. I think part of that is... When you try to write for a lot of different audiences, right, the widest possible audience, then there are going to be people who disagree uh, or, you know, don't see themselves in that audience or what have you And are writing about something. We went into it with clear eye that is a hot button, quote unquote, issue. So we we have prepared ourselves and were prepared. I think this surprise for us in the best possible way is that there's so much positivity around our early reads um, you know both in the media and good reads and we really haven't had a lot of controversy or people finding the material polarizing in any way or problematic and I think part of that is a testament to how hard we worked to really make this such a nuanced balanced character driven story that is not a morality tale. It's not something, it's a lecture in 300 pages sort of thing. Um, And I think people are responding mainly to the storytelling, right? If you tell somebody a good story, then they'll come along for the ride. And that's just very different than writing an op-ed, which is not what this was and not our intention.
1: Yeah. And I have a lot of friends who are cops, frankly, who are white cops and you know, we had someone read a draft early on, and their opinion was, "Who cares what the police think of this book? Who cares? Who cares if you piss off all of the the white police officers and police wives?" And like, I care. We need to show the humanity behind all of our characters, and we can't just create this caricature of a villainous police officer and his wife. And that's why we spent so much time talking to police officers and their wives and making sure that we tried to like really nail it when it came to their characters and their motivations and how they got into what they're into now. And Christine and I had this one conversation once and I'll never forget it. We're talking about, you know, my my grave fear of being canceled. And um, it seems like I just, I think as a Black woman, I'm not afraid of that. And as a white, I feel like you are more afraid of that as a white woman. And it's true. I, I I am. But so far, I think because we have worked so hard at these characters, we haven't gotten negative feedback. We're ready for it. If it comes, I I have a lot of um, Hershey's milk chocolate stored up and I'm ready to inhale it. Uh, But I also, Christine is, but she reads comments and reviews and I've written enough things that live on the internet now that I don't read them anymore. So that is the difference
3: between, I asked Christine
1: to just read me the nice ones.
3: And luckily, there are a lot of them. So that does feel good. And I think we also, as much as we wanted to tell a balanced story in terms of obviously not painting any cop in this book or Kevin, who's one of our main characters, as a one dimensional villainous person, because that's easy to do, right? To like whitewash cops to be one thing. But I think the flip side to that also is that we see so many headlines and there's about police shootings and we have so many names in our heads of you know, unarmed Black men who have been shot and these headlines come and go. And so in that same way, we didn't want that to be also a a nameless, faceless mass of victims, right? That we just, you know, sort of collectively lumped together. And though our victim in this book is obviously fictional, we wanted to provide a lot of humanity in terms of this character and his family and what is happening behind the scenes and the, you know, terrible grief and tragedy Um, that they're feeling as well, right? And so that you see the real personal dimension in all of the angles of this situation. And in that way, you empathize with all of the angles in this situation. And in a way, it was just what Joe was talking about, why we chose fiction. I think it's just, you can connect the story and all these people in a way that you can't reading a newspaper article that might come or go or watching a 60 second piece on the evening news, right? Like this is allowing you a different and deeper way into a story, you know, tragically we hear over and over and over again. And this is a different way to look at that, that same headline.
0: Well, I'm super thankful that y'all came together and this is now out in the world. It's, it came out October 5th. So it's been like a couple of days, which I'll be linking the book uh, in my show notes so people can get it. And then I'll be thinking about how I can gather a, a little book club situation around it. Cause again, I'm, I'm excited to read it and I know that a lot of my listeners will be and then we'll Mm -hmm. arrange a time to get back on with y'all. So thank you for putting this story into the world and I would love to hear from y'all something I often do with guests is I like to hear four things that um, they're thankful for since there's two of you though y'all get to split it up. So uh, Christine two things that you're thankful for today big or small and then Joe I'll have you do the same.
3: I'll say the first is my relationship with Joe. We've been doing so much media and interviews like this and podcast over the last few days. And it's really the same way that you're grateful for your coworkers or, you know, and, and your friends. I feel like this is rolled up into one. We get to spend a lot of time together. It's just the beginning. We're going to be spending a lot more time together. Um, and I feel like it's sometimes I'll be sitting in interviews with Joe and even though you know, we get a lot of the same questions or we're talking about the same things, like something she says surprises me or, you know, I feel like I learned something about her that I didn't know before in the three years that we've been having these conversations. So I think the idea that we can always get closer to our friends and and learn more about them and spend time with them, uh, especially coming off of the pandemic is something that I don't want to take for granted and that I'm always grateful for. Uh, and the second Thing that I am grateful for. It's going to sound really superficial, I know, but getting new clothes. I just I like th- during the pandemic, I hadn't bought anything, and then I looked in my wardrobe and I hated everything I owned. And there is something about right, just having something that new that makes you feel good. That you get that little endorphin bump from buying something. Um, and I don't know, it's just been kind of fun to feel like that's a sign of normal life again, just a new, you know, cute shirt.
0: Yeah. Well, so you just celebrated putting out a book so you can buy yourself a cute shirt. Totally. I
1: mean, I don't think that's <laughs> superficial at all. I'm, I'm grateful for Botox right now, man. So <laughs> um, yeah. but I, I, I have two other things, Botox. And I am grateful actually to our, um, I Heart podcast radio family for putting Amy and I together. And they also create all of my podcasts. And it's kind of a bigger thing that I'm just grateful for all the people that I've worked with who are helping us promote this book and like the incredible teams that we have behind us who are supporting us in a thousand different ways. And it takes a village to put a book into the world. And Christine and I have this really awesome village that I'm so, so grateful for. And in addition to my village comment, and I don't think that working mothers say this enough. I'm very grateful to have great childcare. I have two babies. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And yet I was able to write this book and now I'm able to go on book tour because I have a really wonderful, wonderful caregiver who takes care of my kids when I'm a working mom. So I think we just need to celebrate those women that are are helping us behind the scenes more often.
0: I feel like sometimes as working women though, and we get asked how especially if you're doing several different things as you are even with like the podcast and the writing and the book, like, you know, how do you do it all? And it's like, well, okay. I know you probably heard this before, but not a lot of no, men get no, asked no, that no, question. No, 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 they no. don't, they don't get asked that. So then it's like, well, okay, but yeah, we want to shout out that, oh, it's because we, you know, have mm-hmm. awesome people that help us with our kids or do whatever. But then there's shame, That comes from others that are like, oh, so now you have, you know, someone Mm -hmm. watching your kids and you're not. And then it's just so then you just, you know, speaking of being scared to speak, you just kind of like don't bring it up. So I'm thankful that you're you're recognizing those that are in your life that helping give you that opportunity to go do that. Because at the same time, it's a job for them, too. And then it's a whole mm-hmm. ecosystem that's, you know, surviving because everybody's working together, but there's just, oh, I just, you know, yeah. you can't win. And it's like, you're supposed to do it all. But then if you say you have
1: help, then you've got shame mm-hmm. for having mm-hmm. help. And then you're like, I can't win. Yes. Yes. My husband has never once gotten asked that. He's never once gotten asked, how do you, he was gone all week on a business trip and no one was like, how did you get to leave? all week for your business trip whereas I am gone for four days next week for our book tour and everyone's like oh my god what's gonna happen to your children and I'm like well their dad and their babysitter and my mother and all of the people that it takes to raise freaking kids
3: Well, I think that's what's interesting about our book too, not to bring it back, but we talk so much about this book being in the context of race and sure, you know, that comes up a lot and that is kind of the crisis point for these two friends, but it's a regular friendship where they're dealing, you know, Jen's pregnant and Riley's dating and, you know, there's other aspects of friendship and womanhood that come up. So I think that to your point, when you read the book, there are other Mm -hmm. things to talk about, um, about, working motherhood and being career driven and, you know, Riley's super ambitious and what that means and what that cost her and, you know, the choices that we make and how they affect our relationships. And none of that has anything to do with race. That is a very universal.
1: (laughs) My favorite thing we talk about is um, how Jen is pregnant and Riley is not, and she's not in a serious relationship and how she's worried she's going to be left behind when Jen becomes a mother and has this baby. And how Jen also like desperately wants Riley to have this thing that Riley doesn't know if she wants it. It's so universal. We've all been there. We've all been these women. And yeah, that has nothing to do with race. Yeah. I mean, I think
0: that the, the book is going to achieve the goal with it of it being a conversation starter for people. And I saw that one of your reviews of the book said something along the lines of like, you're going to be thinking about this book well after you're done with it or you've turned the last page. And I, you know, you got to love a good novel that's going to be thought provoking and allow for ongoing conversation, even with yourself. Like I think ongoing conversation with friends, sure. But like you can continue whatever you've read with yourself and your inner dialogue and challenging yourself to take a look at your friendships and how you're handling certain things in life. So I'm here for it. I'm I'm gonna gather my troops. We'll do a yeah, little book club. Wait. Um. So again, the book is "We Are Not Like Them" by Christine Pride and Joe Piazza. Yes. Did I say that, that right perfect. again? Joe Piazza. Woo. Okay. Yes. Yeah, true. Okay, woo. So congratulations. Just super thankful to have had y'all on today for this important conversation. And it looks like I'll be seeing y'all again sometime soon.
3: Ah, we love it. We love to be here today. Yes. We can't wait to come back. We're going to just come on once a week. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, I'll take it.
0: Thank you, Amy. All summer the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way?
2: any disease.